Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Undiscovered You, a podcast for 20, 30, and 40-year-olds who feel like they have so much more to offer but are somehow stuck where they are. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnston, and this season, we're speaking all about being the authentic you. I'm so excited to have Michelle Taylor with me today. Michelle is known as the Funky Celebrant. She has just launched the SavvyCelebrant.co.uk, and she is the mayor of Mantry. So Michelle, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Hi, Kimberly. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So Michelle, actually, you have started your life in a kind of a different way than you would expect most celebrants to have started their lives. And can you tell us a bit about what your job was before you left to become a celebrant? Yeah, so for 30 years, I was a police officer. Uh, so yeah, I've, uh, I've been, I'd started as a cadet when I was 16. Wow and then transferred to the regulars and worked throughout three forces in the UK uh, as a as a regular um, before I retired. And I'd set up my wedding business, my celebrant business before I retired because it was my five-year plan. So everybody, that's top tip, five-year plan. <laughs> I'd done that um, before I retired from the police, but then after I retired from the police, it's just exploded. So yeah, not look back, it's brilliant. That's incredible. And so you were still working full time at the police when yeah. you decided you wanted to be a celebrant. What made you decide to become a celebrant? <laughs> yeah, completely diverse jobs, aren't they? Um, my, so my husband um, is slightly older than me and he was also in the police and he had retired in 2009 and he sat around twiddling his thumbs for 18 months. And I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I need to have a, an escape plan um, set up. And he became a wedding photographer and he says oh come and work with me and I think no can't think of anything worse can't take a photo to save my life I can picture it I can't take it um I said I'd rather marry people so obviously as a police officer you couldn't then become a registrar because that's two legal jobs and that's a conflict of interest um and then I looked at um humanism I thought don't know what I believe but I'm not I'm not a humanist and then I stumbled across the organisation that I ended up training with, the Fellowship of Professional Celebrants. And it just fitted. I love telling stories. I love writing. I love people. And albeit as a police officer, you're not necessarily meeting people in the, in the nicest of circumstances. <laughs> you are still meeting people and you're still talking and you, you've still got to, you know, converse with people and and get what you want out of those people so it's just it was a different step to actually being in somebody's house and then wanting me to be there and having that conversation and giving me all the information in a really nice way so it it seems weird to actually have gone from a police officer to a celebrant but it, it is quite a bit of a natural progression because I story told as a police officer because I used to write um files for for cps and you know for, for for people going to court and things like that so you're telling a chronological story there anyway so it's it wasn't too different to change it into a nice story <laughs> and, and say nice things about people so yeah it it just all fitted that's amazing and did you have to learn how to knock differently when you came to someone's door so it wasn't <laughs> like that <laughs> you gave up as a celebrant <laughs> i think i still scare people <laughs> I think, I think me being me, it's just like, 
because I'm I am quite bossy <laughs> but a lot of the people that book me quite like the fact that I am down to earth and it, it is literally what you see is what you get with me there are no airs and graces and there's never been any airs and graces um but people warm to the fact that I am so straightforward and so down to earth and if I need to shout at the guests because they're doing something wrong I will shout at the guests in a loving way <laughs> in a loving way um but but yeah so that the knock's still the same and I think um it's quite weird as well as a, as a police officer you're trained to look for escape routes and things like that when you go into a house and I still do that still do that still do that. you're like I can get out by that back <laughs> still door. do that now yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> and um becoming a police officer at 16 uh mm. that seems really young what was it that kind of got you into the force at such a young age so when I was nine, um, my school, my primary school entered a law and order quiz. Mm. And it's the first year that our school had entered that quiz. We didn't get past the first round, but I just fell in love with all things police because you've got we've got this little booklet and it told you the history of the police and where the police was. So I mean, this is in the 70s and, and where the and where the police was at that time. And it's just kind of like, that's the job I want to do. So from the age of nine, I said to my parents, I'm going to join the police um and obviously the opportunity at that time came up to join the police cadets which in Birmingham at that time was a paid position so it was my first job uh it was either go and do a levels and go to university or join the cadets and have fun uh, yeah, I'll join the cadets and get paid um <laughs> so managed to get into the cadets at 16 and it's a ground you still had to go to college and you still had to do some learning if you can call it that as a cadet but still to do some learning lots of fitness and lots of things like that but it was as a, a platform to join in the regulars um and yeah that's what I always wanted to do I didn't the only thing I've never managed to do in the police that I always wanted to do and I thought I would do was be a dog handler um because that's that's what I really wanted to do but never actually managed to get that but everything um, else I've achieved <laughs> is that take a lot of training then to be a dog handler I imagine that's a lot of time yeah, yeah, yeah in addition yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. oh um, cool and yeah. do you so are you a dog person then is that yes yes okay. I've got yeah I've got two dogs out to probably hear them fighting in a minute but <laughs> <laughs> I've locked the door they shouldn't get in but uh, I've got um an eight month old black lab called Freddie and a two and a half year old chocolate lab called Luna. Amazing, amazing. So one of the things, I mean, obviously our listeners who are listening and not able to see you right now cannot see that you have this amazing red Afro yep. that is just beautiful and exciting. It actually just makes me smile just to see it. But I, I mean, obviously as the funky celebrant that kind of works with that, um, you know, but when you were a police officer, is this is this kind of the persona that you were as a police officer? Because we're, we're talking about sort of being your authentic self. And, you know, this is a big shift from being a police officer to being a celebrant to having a, a red Afro and sort of really completely being yourself. Is that something that you were able to do in the police force? Certainly at the time I was in, probably less so now, but it is still, you know, there's still rules and regulations. It's a much more regimented. When I very first joined, women weren't even allowed to wear trousers we had to wear skirts oh my goodness yeah um and uh, things like that but obviously as the years have progressed it's become more and more gender neutral with with um, uniform and things like that um but no you had to you had to comply with a lot more things so I know when I very first started doing my celebrancy um 
in 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 2012 was my first job I looked like a registrar um so I I literally had a dress and a and a jacket on and some nice necklaces and you know some some nice heels um because that's the way not forced dress but that's kind of the the dress outside of uniform if I was going somewhere and had to be smart that I would have worn um it took retiring for me to discover me um started off I mean I before I retired I started having my hair braided um but it was natural colors I had put in I couldn't have anything funky put in and one of the first things I did I think I went purple and silver I think was one of the first braided colors I had in had my nose pierced um got more tattoos and things like that which I kind of had to hide those before so the first thing I did when I left it was like I can be me Mm. and I started off I would I would describe I've never been a beige person (laughs) I've always been loud and bright and and colorful but I would describe my start of my celebrancy career as beige and if you look at my paperwork it was all beige (laughs) wow (laughs) but no no beige has been consigned to the bin (laughs) Excellent. And so what do you, what about that? I I think I kind of just want to unpack this a little bit. So let's move back to being a police officer and you, you sort of, I mean, you can understand that when you're in a very regimented world where you have to follow very strict rules in order to keep yourself safe, keep other police officers safe, keep the public safe, you could kind of see how actually you give up your autonomy to do that. And that's an intentional decision. Do you think that you could have been a better police officer? Honest question. Do you think you could have been a better police officer if you could have expressed yourself more? Different times. It's mm. a really difficult question to answer, I think. Bear in mind, I mean, so obviously I joined the, the regulars in 1985 mm. um, and then left in 2015. So completely different times. Different times being a woman, different times being a person of colour within the police, and different times depending on what police force you were in. I was very lucky starting in, in West Mids. I th- I think West Mids was a very not necessarily diverse in the amount of people that we had in there. Albeit, I mean, I did work with Asian officers, I did work with black officers, but obviously still a very small minority. But when I first joined my shift, um, my very first station, I was the uh, only policewoman on my shift wow. of a shift of twenty people. So now you know when you look at the the makeup of shifts there's probably about half and half of of, of, you know male and female officers um I worked with somebody who I'm going to make an assumption now that I would have I I think he was gay but we never had that conversation um because he couldn't be openly gay if he is gay um and then I worked um when I was in Derbyshire, which was my second force, I worked with a special who was openly gay. And it was quite funny because it took him a long time to actually come out and tell us. And we all turned around and went, yeah, we know. No. <laughs> it's fairly obvious. We we, we we know. But thank you for telling us um, because you obviously feel comfortable with us and knowing that we, you know, we've got your back to, to actually tell us this. And I think, you know, looking back on it now, it's such a shame that we're not 
we we weren't where we are now in terms of diversity and openness and conversations and even simple things like saying that you were struggling with your mental health yeah oh no 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 big no no which is why a lot of police officers and other people in the emergency services now really struggle with mental health issues because we had to keep them hidden and it's, I mean, that's one of the things is society's opened up those conversations and it's allowing for you to show up as your authentic self. Yeah. And it was, I think, I think that's a really important point to make that you, that you made there is that the time that you were in the police force is a different time than it is now. And actually you probably could have brought more of yourself to the police force now than yeah. you could have then. And it was almost like, because you were that sole female of 20, you were also struggling to fit in, I imagine, because you are female amongst men. Is that yeah. is that fair to say? Female amongst men and the only black officer, I think. Certainly the only black officer on my shift. And I'm trying to think if I was the only black officer at the station at the time. There might have been one more. It's, it's, memory's hazy on that one, but <laughs> certainly the only black female officer and certainly the only black officer on my shift at that time. Amazing. But I never saw... I never saw that as an issue myself. Um, going back even further in my history. So I was fostered, um, I'm, a, I'm a Bernardo's baby. And, and I was fostered by a white family um, when I was 18 months old. Okay. So I've grown up in a white family. I've grown up amongst white peers. Um, the school I went to was a very diverse school. It was a brilliant school. And looking back, I just feel so blessed to have gone to the school that I went to. Um, because we were they, they were they were years light years ahead of anything that was happening at that time we were just a very diverse and all-inclusive and embracing school um, so yeah I did have black and Asian friends but majority of the people that I had anything to do with were white so I probably didn't well it's not a probably I didn't see my skin color at that time and I just because everything about me was white <laughs> um I didn't have any of the characteristics and I think I've missed out but I've I've I've, I've earned and learned different things and you know gained experiences in different ways um but you know that's that's just as it is so I don't think the color of my skin had any great issues or any great bearings for me as a police officer there was the occasional person but I could lock them up. So. Like I was like, I was going to say, you did have the power there. You yeah, did yeah. have the power. Be <laughs> you know, racially, racially abusive. I'll lock you up. Carry I'll lock on. You up. Go on. That's right. I've got the key. <laughs> yeah. And and so interestingly, you have now moved. I think you just you said you just launched the SavvyCelebrant.co.uk. And through this medium, you are offering diversity courses that are going to be aimed at wedding professionals. So kind of looking at diversity, but from a very different angle in terms of getting married. Yeah. So talk to me a bit about that. What's, what's the need there? Why, why have you started this? So the Savvy Celebrant has been going for a few years now. It's the diversity course that I've literally just ah, okay. okay. So the Savvy Celebrant in its own right um, has been going for about three or four years. And that's a, like a mentoring um, for, for celebrants um you know can help them with writing and choreography and anything and, and just general support because at the time I set it up there wasn't that much support for celebrants um but the diversity 101 for wedding professionals was born um 
following the, basically the riots of 2020 and uh, you know in the news yesterday the toppling of the uh, the colston statue in 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 bristol, bristol yeah so <laughs> when Obviously, the horrendous events of uh, 2020 happened in America and black, the Black Lives Matter movement really took off around the world. It kind of stopped me in my tracks a bit because I'd been quite complacent, as I think we all are, and thinking, yeah, yeah, I do enough, I do enough. And then I realised when all these books and all these names and all these podcasts and people were being shoved in, in, in my face, that I'd never heard of these, I need to know more what's this about and you know what angle is this coming at so I you know I I I dived in and learned more and thought you know I need to improve you know yes I am a black woman working in a predominantly white industry um with predominantly white couples in the area that I work in um but I don't think I'm necessarily doing enough around diversity full stop um I've worked a lot with um Kai who is the career queer um but at the time was um lead for the equality weddings um they've 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 now moved on from that and have become the career queer um so i worked a lot with them um and was looking at my use of language around lgbtq but i wasn't looking about my use of language around any other things and it's like right okay so started to think about well what kind of things would i think I would need to know that I don't already know. Obviously, I, I know more now because I've done the work. Um, but thinking, well, the basic things that people can be doing within our industry to show that they're inclusive, because there's still a lot of people out there, their use of language, especially their written language, just like, oh, please change that. <laughs> it's not meant to be offensive. It's just they haven't thought it through. And I think just lazy. a little it's tweak. Like that, la yeah. that lazy language. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just a few tweaks. And it will show anybody that's reading this that you are an inclusive person. Mm. Doesn't matter yeah. how many times I say I'm inclusive, I'm inclusive, but your writing doesn't show me that you're inclusive. Mm. So this is where the diversity course was born. Initially, it was going to be aimed at just celebrants, but then I thought, actually, no, let's go for the whole of the wedding industry. <laughs> Fantastic. And I think what's really what I want to just pull out there is you educated yourself. So this mm. is something that time and time again, I've had conversations with people who are like, how do I learn more? Like, I feel like I'm just ignorant in this area. Pick up a book is yeah. always my response. There's so much out there. Listen to a yeah. podcast, yeah. you know, watch something on Netflix. You know, yeah. there is so much out there if you want to learn. And I think also, Michelle, picking up on that point of Yes, black black lives matter. Educate yourself about that, but also think about your language and you know and and how are you how are you also looking at other strands of diversity? And I think one of the things that you mentioned is that you're actually looking at um, people with disabilities as well yeah. in terms of the the wedding professionals world. So, talk to me a bit about that. How is that journey for you? Kind of figuring out, oh gosh, actually, this is something I need to make sure I'm addressing as well in this course. Yeah. So on the course, um, my diversity module was written by somebody that has a hidden disability. Mm. Um, I didn't write it because I'm not going to try and preach to people about something I actually know nothing about. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they've written um, the diversity module and Kai has written the LGBTQ module. So I've actually, you know, Amazing. paying people and, and, recognizing other people have more talent in these fields than I do I've just pulled it together um so Judy who is also a, a celebrant um she's um used to be a nurse practitioner and a lecturer 
and has a hidden disability herself. Um, so she's pulled together the, the module for, for me on the disability. And it's ba basically telling the professionals or showing the professionals about their use of language again. Mm -hmm. um, and But by being honest and, and open as well, saying, you know, it's not just your guest or your couples or anybody that you're working with that might have a disability. It could be the, you know, it could be the professional as well yeah. that's got the disability. So you've got to think about yourself as well as thinking about other people. So she's written written that module and is looking at the use of kind of like disability language and how people identify themselves. Because some people will say I'm disabled. Other people will say, no, I'm differently abled. Mm, yeah. And it's like the same with the LGBTQ language. If somebody wants to be addressed as they, them or they, him or him, her or, or whatever they want to be addressed as, we don't have to understand it. We just have to listen to do what it. they're asking us to do yeah. and do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think I think another important part of that is asking the questions. So it's it's around in, in whatever field you're in, you know, your your field is very specifically around, you know, weddings. But if you are somebody who works in a corporate, if you're somebody who works a lot with clients, or you're somebody who, you know, takes care of colleagues actually asking those questions and saying, what do you prefer? Because I think people get really stuck with the, I don't understand. Like, I always feel like I'm stumbling over things. I feel like I'm using the wrong language. As soon as I use language, it changes. Like it used to be LGBT. Now it's LGBTQ. Now it's LGBTQ plus, you know, and it's like, it, it's, it's a constantly evolving thing. And I think the point around that is continue to educate yourself, continue to ask questions and ask them in a way that's not an affront to them. It's not a I need you to tell me this because I don't understand you. And, you know, I'm judging you based on whatever it is. It's, it's sort of that, you know, can you share with me a bit more about why you use those pronouns or, you know, can you share about, and, and some, and you also need to recognize the fact that people may not want to educate you and they might. And, and even if you could say, you know, I, I understand probably a million people ask you this question, you know, is there something I can read? What would you say is a good resource for this and they could tell you to shut up and walk away and that's their prerogative as well but i think i think that whole idea of opening up that dialogue around diversity opening up those hard questions and as you said when you were in the police force those questions those conversations were not being had yeah. but in 2022 they are and we're learning we're yeah. learning how to talk to each other we're learning how to have these conversations we're learning not everybody is a carbon copy of you and actually there's no carbon copy of you and everyone is different and has different desires and things. And it's, it's just that understanding is, is so important. So I think it's great that you have set this course up for people in the wedding, in the wedding industry. Can you imagine two of me? <laughs> I think it would bring so much joy, Michelle. I'm not sure that would be a bad thing. <laughs> it's, it's quite funny when, um, when it first happened um, and I was getting probably about two or three people so not a massive amount of people about two or three people were saying to me what do we need to do you're black what do we need to do I don't, I don't, <laughs> no, I can't just talk to me <laughs> that's hysterical um so just coming back to kind of that shift from being a police officer into being the funky celebrant setting up your your savvy celebrant mentoring and now your course um we, you know, this whole, this whole season is about the authentic you. And to me, it feels like you were able to really just let your wings stretch and just become you and bring all of you to this amazing career. And I'm just wondering, have you found some kind of almost like superpowers or something that you have a talent for that you didn't even know you had? 
and that was able to be born out of this ability to be your authentic self yeah um and also born out of lockdown um Mm -hmm. you know lockdown was a challenge obviously but it also brought me some opportunities and so I went away and did some more learning um surprise surprise and I actually um qualified as um, a level three uh, adult education trainer um so that another string to my bow for teaching people various things including you know writing and devising the course um but I don't go into anything half-hearted um I think to be authentic you've you've got to have walked even not even if it's not the whole road you've got to walk part of that road you've got to walk in somebody else's shoes and also got your feet dirty and blistered learning things about yourself along that journey two years ago when I started thinking well just under two years ago when I started thinking about the course to what it is now it's a completely different course to what I was originally going to set up and that's because it's grown organically and things perspectives my perspectives have changed and things have changed with that so I think yeah and born out of you know that time in 2020 as well that's when I embraced my fro as an adult woman um I did everything I could to to not have a fro I had it relaxed. I had it uh, braided. Uh, you know, I've I've done all sorts of things to it over the years. And then it's kind of like the conversations, then, especially within the wedding industry, started. There was a lot, of, quite a lot of um, black-owned businesses coming to the fore within the wedding industry, and it was all about embracing your authentic look, your authentic self, and embracing your natural textured hair. And it's kind of like, yeah yeah I'm in my 50s it's time I'm going for it I'm going to embrace my fro but it's got to be red (laughs) going all in (laughs) if I'm going to do it I'm going to I'm going to stand out I'm going to stand out I'm going to stand out and when I first did it I went I remember having it done on like a Tuesday and I went to see a couple on the Thursday from our initial conversation we'd only had a conversation on the phone and I turned up there with this bright red fro and I'm thinking they're gonna hate me they're gonna hate me and they went oh we love your fro <laughs> and I was like really they went yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant it's brilliant and now everybody the couple whose ceremony I'm doing um later this week when I went to, to see them are you going to have your fro for the wedding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Because we'll just tell everybody to just look for the woman with the red fro. <laughs> it's your calling no, card. So it's, yeah, a, it's, it's your USP. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's your USP. It's your calling card. And you're the funky ce- celebrant. Yeah. I, if so, you didn't have a red fro, yeah, yeah. it would be like, oh, she's yeah. just, as yeah. you said, in her beige, like yeah. everybody else. And it's like this amazing thing that you yeah. are able to be uniquely you yeah. all for people. And it just, it is, it absolutely, I don't know. I don't know if you, I don't, I didn't know you before you had the red fro, but I feel like you are this light, amazing kind of just vibrant person. And it, I, it works perfect. I can't actually, I cannot imagine you with relaxed hair. Yeah. And like, I would, I, that would just almost be a juxtaposition to your personality for me. I'd love to send you some photos. Yeah, yeah <laughs> do, yeah, do. I mean, but I mean, like I say, so I started off my celebrant journey looking like a registrar because I was still in the police. And then the first thing I did when I left the police and I got the tattoos and the hair and things like that, um, I started wearing like the 50s style dresses with the bright petticoat so that was the first color journey yeah um 
and but I was still wearing heels and I hate heels I'm tall and, and I hate wearing heels um so the next thing was all oh, I, I found a I saw a pair of silver Doc Martins in a DM shop in London I went oh, need them and my husband was saying but they won't go with your dresses trust me they will go with my dresses Definitely. I now have about 20 pairs of Doc Martins boots and shoes of all different no, colors I just need a green pair and then I think I've got my rainbow colors um and it's kind of like but I'm I'm known for wearing these bright dresses the petticoats I've discovered snag tights they're amazing um all different colors as well you know bright tights and bright shoes and I've noticed there's quite a lot of other celebrants come on the market who are similar dressing to me and it's fine because they're not me that's fine but it's like it's obviously it kind of attracts the the look it works and but I say to people you know if you don't want me to be I'm not out there I mean it's still somebody's wedding day I, I look cool admittedly I look cool um but I've said to people if you want me to tone it down a bit yeah. I, I can and I can wear something more understated the Doc Martens will always be there but I can wear something a bit more understated um uh, but it's still going to be colorful it's still going to be authentically me it's yeah. just not quite so outrageous because you know I've got to fit in with their theme for their wedding day so if somebody's doing a black tie I have some lovely dresses that I can wear for, for a black tie wedding still be bright but <laughs> and have you had have you had anybody that said tone it down because i imagine if you're hiring somebody called the funky celebrant you'd probably yeah, you, be like you know no, what no, you bring get it. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah most people say do bring it but a couple of people said we're having black tie okay so can you just something... make it fancier a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah wear the yeah. silver doc martens please yeah, not yeah, the red yeah, ones today yeah yeah yeah, yeah so it. that kind of thing so they still know they're going to get lots of color yeah um but it's just a bit more elegant <laughs> Fab. Well, unfortunately, we are actually about to come up to time here, but I have to ask you our two final questions. So along the way in this journey from, um, you know, growing up in foster homes, having this amazing educational experience um, that was quite diverse and um, sounds like it was incredible. um, And then moving into being a police officer and then now being the funky celebrant and setting up the savvy celebrant and now launching this course. What have you, oh, and you're the mayor of Mantry. We forgot to mention that. We didn't even go into the political realm. Yeah, curtsy, curtsy. Know, exactly, exactly. Um, but when you, when you are on, when you're on this journey and kind of moving through this, what, what did you discover about yourself? To be myself. That's the biggest discovery that it doesn't matter. I think it's, a, it's I think it's a journey that, especially as women, we start to go along from probably about our mid 40s because before that I think we're just worried about what everybody else is thinking I can't speak from a man's perspective but certainly from a woman's perspective we're too busy worrying about what everybody else is thinking or we're too tired because we've got young children or whatever else is going on in life and you're juggling Uh, but if you get to a certain age probably about your mid 40s and you start to care less about what other people think of you and you start to embrace yourself and you start to care more about what you think of you it's an ongoing journey I don't always give myself the self-care that I need to give but I'm getting better at it so that's the thing that I think I've 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 learned the most is to actually embrace me for our listeners that are kind of haven't reached that uh lovely point in your life where you do you go through some massive self-reflection leading up to 40 I don't know what it is Mm. 
but it is. And you start to realize, what do I want to do? It's not about what my parents want me to do. It's not about what my friends expect of me. It's not about how I look on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever is being used. It is about what brings me joy. You know, what helps me to get out of bed in the morning and allows me to be me and not feel again, like that, that feeling that clipped wings is that, you know, it's how can I stretch my arms? How can I soar and just become the best version of me that I can be. And I think that's, that's so profound, Michelle, is it's that, that finding. And I would argue if you're in your twenties and your thirties and you're listening to this, or even in your forties and you haven't gone through that time of self-reflection and that time of self-awareness, use some time to do that and stop caring so much about everybody else thinks like it's not important. And it feels so important when you're young, it feels so important when you're in your teens. And I think that's where it, gets embedded is how do other people in the school think about me? What do boys or girls, depending on your preference, what do they think about me? You know, and, and then how, how is everybody viewing me externally and and look at how everybody else looks. And then you have that whole comparison game that is the death to all joy in life. And so it's sort of, I think absolutely finding, finding yourself, it's, it's a cliche, but it's that self-discovery that allows you to just soar. And I think as a, anybody in their 20s, 30s, 40s that hasn't reached that point, I would say make friends with somebody from the next age group generation up because there's plenty of men and women and non-binary folk out there that have, have done this journey of exploration and are there, not not necessarily as teachers, but as, as guides. Mm. And I think just making friends, if I'd had a friend like me in my 20s, <laughs> God, God help that friend. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think I would have been a different person. I would have cared less about other things. But the, again, it's the problem is it's it's a generational thing. It's a time, an era. Yeah. Um, but just and knowing, you're stuck in it. You're yeah, very it, stuck in it. You're very stuck yeah. in your own head and you're very stuck yeah. in it. And it, is, yeah. it is easy to part to, yeah. to give advice out. And again, yeah. my 20 year old self would be exactly the same thing as yeah. I was a pleaser. Yeah. And so it was sort of, what does everybody else want me to do yeah. as opposed yeah. to what do I want to do? Yeah. So I, I absolutely agree with that. And yeah. also just building on that, our final question that we ask every single guest is what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received or had heard someone say in vows what's the best piece of advice that you've ever experienced it's something that I give out to friends as well because I really believe in this the only competition is the person that's staring you back in the mirror mm, I think that's great and to stop judging where I am on my path of life by where other people are because we are walking different paths and what I want uh, saying I'm fully booked for 2022 the amount of bookings I've got for 2022 will be a third of what other people will class as being fully booked Mm. but it's the amount of people as amount of bookings that I want to do it gives me free time Um, it allows me to work with some brilliant people much more closely and it allows me to you know to do other things with other parts of my business so it's a question of don't keep comparing yourself to others the only competition you've got is the person that's staring you back in the mirror. I love that. And again, that competition game, that comparison game, it, no one wins. You yeah. are never going to win that game. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So this has been brilliant. Um, some things, some of my big takeaways from this are get your escape plan ready. Yep. So that when, <laughs> and as you said, you even still walk into a house and think about your escape route. So in a career, think about where you're going to be in five years. And yeah. it might be that you want to stay in the same, in the same career, in the same company, but where do you want to be in five years? Yeah. And thinking about what's that next step, have that five-year plan um, in, in, to hand, to be making your decisions, making sure that that's something that's guiding you asking lots of questions, doing research. I love the fact that you just constantly educate yourself. It sounds like anytime you have, oh, I've got a spare minute, I'm just going to go get another degree, or I'm going to go learn about this, or I'm going to set up a program. And I think that's amazing is that constant desire to learn and educate yourself. And I think that that's something that helps people get unstuck. If you're feeling stuck, educate yourself, do something else, go do, go get some good online qualification, get those qualifications in. And then also bringing in people who know the materials. This is something I think that I was really impressed with is, you know, you've set up this program, the diversity course for wedding professionals, but instead of you being like, oh, I know it all, I'm just going to do it, you know, because I have, you know, one specific, I'm female, you know, I'm black. So I know everything about diversity. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like bring in the educated folk, read the book on something and don't have that kind of know-it-all attitude. Yeah going into anything, oh, go in with an open mind, go in with a questioning mind, go in with a, tell me more about that. And I mean, that's the kind of thing I think that can actually get you massively unstuck. And just remember the only competition is the person staring back at you in the mirror. So Michelle, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much for your time today. I have definitely learned loads and you are actually our last guest on the authentic you season. So thank you for showing up as your authentic self. And we loved having this conversation. Thank you very much for having me. It's been brilliant. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can check out Michelle Taylor at www.mtaylorcelebrant.co.uk. This has been the last episode in the Authentic You season of The Undiscovered You. I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of my guests and to celebrate a milestone. We've had 700 downloads. And I'm really looking forward to hitting that thousand mark in next season when we talk about skills to pay the bills. If you'd like to book me for an event as an executive coach or for training at your company, please do get in touch on kljconsulting.co.uk.